Hello, friends. Man, it's been a while since I've been in your ears, and I'm so glad to be back. Uh, if you've been missing the podcast, some of you reached out uh, in what has been almost a year now and just saying, you know, when are we going to have another episode and these kinds of things. Thank you for that. Uh, I've just been kind of watching and waiting and listening and praying, I guess. And as I said, if you, if you read the Instagram post uh, of this new series, uh, falling and stumbling and working through my own stuff. And, you know, I'd, I've never wanted to just record for the sake of recording you know, or just put stuff out for the, for the sake of doing that. Um, but I felt like there's so much happening in uh, the world of follower and uh, so much is developing, which I'll tell you all about as we go over the next weeks and invite you into stuff, um, that I felt like the season was right now. And I felt like there was some stuff that God was stirring in my heart um, that I thought would be helpful for you, which is helpful for me. I'm, I'm not uh, in any way at the end of this journey. I'm busy in it myself, but I thought it would be a good time to kind of invite this broader audience uh, into that journey. When I talk about the broader audience, here's a, a fun little fact, man. When I, at the end of last year, I was kind of sitting down and just doing a bit of a review of the different things that I'm involved in and uh, kind of seeing where the strengths and weaknesses were and what I should keep moving forward with. And uh, I was looking at the follower podcast. And as I was uh, kind of praying about it and just asking God, uh, what happened was I got this email in my inbox. And um, I don't know who tracks these things, to be honest. But uh, this was from uh, someone in Apple land telling me that uh, the follower podcast was uh, number 10 in spirituality in South Africa. Uh, and so for me, that was like a big thing. And I went and looked at the stats, which I never really do. And I realized there's a whole bunch of people that are actually listening to the stuff I put out. So <laughs> that's very encouraging. Who knew? Uh, that's so wonderful. So if you are one of those people, man, that's cool. And uh, I think what we're going to do in the coming weeks and months and going forward is we're going to start to connect with you and uh, start invite you into the show space and we'll make spaces where we can get together. But all of that uh, coming up, I'll tell you about that at the end of this particular episode and, and start to give us some direction around that. But uh, I wanted to jump in with uh, this kind of series. It's, it's called Return and it, it, it's basically around a good old-fashioned thing called repentance. Jesus is big on it, and I think this time in our world, it's a critical conversation to be having for anyone who wants to kind of be a follower of Jesus, figure out what that means. As always, this podcast is kind of trying to meet two kinds of people and everybody in between. On one level, we got people who would consider themselves follower of Jesus, uh, followers of Jesus, and uh, we want to learn to follow Jesus better. We want to follow him to the depths of his heart and to the ends of the earth. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got people who are skeptical or not sure, and we want to try and uh, frame the conversations and reflections that we have in such a way that that would be invitational to you as well, where you'd be able to maybe take a first step in a journey of figuring out who this Jesus guy is and what it would mean to wrap your life around him. Um, and uh, so both of those people, if you are either one of those people or anywhere in the middle, you are so welcome to the follower podcast and you are so welcome to this series called Return. Welcome to the follower podcast, a place where we're learning to follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. I'm your host, Matthew Lewis, and I'm so glad you've joined us on the journey. Right, so here we are, friends, uh, return. 
this is going to kind of be a journey of the heart over the next couple of weeks. It starts with a little bit of my story, uh, some reflections on that story, and then an invitation that I felt from the Lord for myself, and um, a template I've kind of been using in prayer coming to us from the Psalms, and, uh, and breaking that down into some key ideas that we'll be looking at over the next weeks. But to start off, let's, let's uh, recap the story, right? So uh, if you know me, my name's Matthew Lewis. And uh, those who've been listening for a while, while, hi, welcome. If you're new to the podcast, hi, welcome. Um, last year, oh man, where are we right now? 2021, crazy man. So the beginning of last year, 2020, I was in Germany. I was finishing up something called a DTS, Discipleship Training School, uh, in Germany with my friends in Herrenhut. An amazing time. I had done some ministry in uh, Asia and was coming back to Germany doing some debrief stuff and then was coming back to South Africa and had a whole kind of plan off the back of that, you know. And uh, as I was finishing up the debrief in Germany, this thing called Corona started escalating. And I remember being in Frankfurt Airport and the, as I was flying back to South Africa and the airport was just kind of uh, empty. And if you know anything about Frankfurt, that's, that's not the case usually there. And so I flew out of Frankfurt and landed in South Africa. And at that stage, Germany was a kind of hot spot for this corona thing. And it hadn't quite hit South Africa yet. And I remember landing in South Africa and uh, getting off the plane, aware of what I'd come from in Europe, and then looking around the airport and everybody is hugging each other and kissing each other as they all arrive home. And I'm just like, man, what is going on here? It seems like two different worlds. And... Um, at that stage, we didn't know how this whole corona thing works, not that we really do now either, still figuring it out all this time later. But uh, one of the things that it did mean is that I couldn't go to my dad's place in Johannesburg because um, I didn't want to put him at risk. I couldn't go to my brother's place in Johannesburg because if I had it from Germany, I didn't want to infect my brother and then he couldn't be there for my dad. I couldn't go to my friend's place where I usually stay when I'm in Johannesburg because uh, he was struggling with, he has some asthma issues and so we didn't want to put him at risk. And so what ended up happening is I had nowhere to stay really. Uh, and there were friends I could have reached out to, but I just wasn't sure. So I had this very dramatic moment where I'm sitting on my backpack in the middle of the airport, just on the floor, put my backpack down, sitting on my backpack, kind of having a little existential about where I should go. Don't ask me why I was sitting on my backpack. It, there were benches all around, but it just felt more dramatic, I guess. And so I phoned my friend Ben, and I'm like, man, this is where I'm at. And uh, uh, whole long story short, I end up spending a little bit of downtime in isolation in the Drakensberg, very grateful for that. And then I go to Durban and uh, hang out with some of my friends at YWAM Durban. And we connect and then uh, ended up coming back to Johannesburg and uh, staying with my brother for what was the first lockdown. And so my whole family was staying together in this lockdown. My dad, my brother, his wife, his two kids <laughs> in a, a medium-sized house, but it was, it was crammed for all of us. And man, it was just absolute chaos. I don't know if any of you can relate to those initial weeks and months of corona, uh, whatever context you're listening to this uh, in. Man, it was just such an unknown time and so shaking so shaking. And I remember that was the time when the blessing song came out. And uh, man, I remember listening to that in my room in my headphones and uh, just such a sense of the spirit of God. And I was just weeping and I was like, man, I don't, this feels so overwhelming, God. I, this was not how I planned these next months going. And little did I know then, little did any of us know that it was just the beginning of what is now an ongoing journey. And so that uh, carried on, man. I remember sitting and watching our president tell us about this thing called lockdown and what would be happening and having the sense that uh, 
like we were in some kind of movie, some kind of Apocalypse Now movie, you know. And so kind of went through that, uh, ended up kind of seeing out that lockdown and then moved back to Durban where I now live um, and uh, was doing a discipleship Bible school, which you should check out, by the way. Go to YWAM Durban, check that out. We're running another one of those and you can get involved in that. But anyway, I was doing that, sort of trying to settle and come to terms with that. And then the news starts happening, right? And so I'm, I'm just doing basically a recap of our year, guys. Uh, and so the news starts happening. I start seeing all this um, unrest in America and George Floyd. And and I'm checking in on my friends because there's protesting and burning and civil unrest in, in massive ways in the U.S. At the same time, uh, some of my friends who are living in Asia, there's huge things, but um, stuff going on in Myanmar and, and just like massive disturbances there and um it's all hectic. And then, and then the chaos starts to come home because, you know, in my family nucleus, there's, there's real things that are going on and, and just weighty, weighty things that really disturb so many of my decisions. And, and I'm not sure where to go. And I feel a little bit paralyzed. And, and that led to like weeks of just uncertainty. And uh, the more I spoke to people, the more people shared the sentiment of like, they just don't know how to make plans. They don't know what to do. Everything they'd kind of put their confidence in or their trust in felt like it was being shaken. The death toll was rising. Infection rates were rising. Uh, people were grieving and mourning. And so the cost of this whole crazy time it was so real and it, and it was prolonged, right? It wasn't just a week or a day passing. It was a prolonged period of disturbance and, and shaking and the more I spoke to people and the more I checked myself, there was this rising anxiety and uh, we just didn't know, man, like, like trying to, it was trying to nail jelly to a wall, trying to make any plans or trying to project any way forward. And my friends who were leading ministries were just uh, kind of treading water a little bit and trying to pass to people well, but not being able to plan service and not being able to do church, not being able to do ministry. And people in business were struggling with cash flow and all the economic things. And so it really felt like the whole world was shaking. And then at the same time, uh, the evident social unrest that was happening all over the world, and you felt like that was kind of distanced a little bit until most recently now in South Africa, um, huge outbreak of rioting and looting and the burning of buildings and warehouses. And, you know, I was in Durban for this time and guys, it felt like a little mini war going on. I mean, not that I've ever been in one, but it was just so surreal. I carried on having to pinch myself and just be like, what are we a part of, you know? Um, and the shaking of all of that stuff. And then at the same time, natural stuff like my friends in Germany and floods in Germany and floods in China, some of my friends there. And so all I'm trying to say and just give you a little um, uh, insight, if you're wondering why you're tired, <laughs> if you're wondering why you're feeling a little bit stretched, maybe you've got a few more wrinkles than you expected to have. Maybe there's a, one or two new gray hairs. If you still have hair, you're so blessed. Whatever it is that's going on in you at the moment, if you are feeling not quite at 100%, can I just offer you a little bit of grace and just say, it's okay, because we have had a year. And, and when I say we have had a year, I say, if you are human on this planet, <laughs> man, from 2020 all the way through now, and now we're pushing into a year and a half going on two years, man, this has been a journey. And uh, so if you're feeling the weight of that, you're in, you're in good company because, hey, well, listen, we're all there. Everyone's feeling it. Everyone's feeling the shaking. Everyone's feeling the uncertainty. 
So if you're feeling the stretch and if you're feeling uh, the weight of these times and everything that's going on and all the uncertainty that seems to be around you, I want to say to you this, you've got a couple of options, right? You can keep trying to uh, hold on to the things that seem to be failing you right now. In other words, people carry on uh, using this phrase, I can't wait till we get back to normal. My conviction is that part of the problem was what normal was. And I'm sure this isn't the first time you've heard this idea, but it's like, you know, you've got a bucket full of holes and you just keep filling the water into the bucket uh, and you just hope that at some point it's going to stop leaking. But at some, at some point you have to stop and think, well, maybe the issue is the bucket. Maybe, maybe that's the problem. And maybe what we've got to do is not just keep trying to throw water into the bucket. Maybe we've got to fix the holes, right, or get a new bucket altogether. And I think part of what's happened in society is that for a really long time, our systems and our ideas and the places we've placed our confidence, both in a very private way in our internal worlds and in a very public way in a sort of global world, have been a leaky bucket, okay? And we've been wondering why we have to work so hard to keep topping up the water. But the, the issue was not the water. The issue was the bucket and is the bucket in a lot of ways. And so there can be some of us who want to kind of go back to business as usual. Um, and I would just say to you, if that's your perspective, I would want to challenge you with that because I think that that was probably part of the problem and that this moment in history offers you an incredible opportunity. Uh, there is a quote, nobody's really sure who said it. A lot of people attribute it to Winston Churchill, uh, but we're not really sure if it's him. But anyway, I think it's a great thought. It's, uh, it says, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? And, and that's what I want to offer you today as you listen to this. Never let a good crisis go to waste because what a crisis does is it shakes you of your assumptions and it shows you your idols. And if you're willing, it can give you an opportunity to move in a new direction. And so as I was thinking about this, this story, well, actually a phrase that then led me to a story in the Bible. And that's why this episode is called The Writing is on the Wall. Some of you would know uh, the book of Daniel and you would know um, the story of uh, Belshazzar. And Daniel, right? And the writing on the wall. And I think this has a little bit to do with what we're dealing with today. So just track with me, right? Uh, if, if, you, if you kind of are staying with the conversation at the moment, we're talking about the shaking of the world. I've kind of given you a little snapshot of my experience of that. Yours may look different, but you know, it's just been a crazy time. We're being stretched. We're feeling the sort of deficit of our culture's ability to carry us. Maybe in your internal world, you've felt the weakness. You felt the, the lack of substance in your ability to carry yourself at this time. And in the shaking of this, there is an opportunity where we don't gravitate back to what was, but we actually see there's an opportunity to move into something brand new. We don't want to waste the crisis, right? We want to allow it to shift our hearts. And so uh, here in Daniel chapter five, uh, quick, quick, quick backstory. What I found is that the more I allowed my story to shrink down to my own experience, the more anxious that became. And what I actually needed to do is I needed to get some perspective. I needed to step back from the issue and get a historic imagination, a historic imagination. One of the challenges I think of our time is that our worlds are so curated to our personal experience that when our, when our safety is shaken, our whole world is shaken. But we don't realize, and this is one of the saving miracles of the gospel, is that when you come to your faith in Jesus, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, the invitation of God is out of the smallness of your story into the bigness of his story. And here's the thing we know about his story. It's a story that's been going on since the very beginning. 
Right at the center of that story is this, uh, this nation of Israel um, that God chooses through a guy called Abraham. And through this nation, he would bring a dude called Jesus who kind of brings a new reality that is hope for the human heart, right? And uh, for the human world. And in the story of Israel, it's, it's like a little uh, roller coaster, man. It's, got, it's literally got predictable peaks and troughs in the rhythm of this nation. They kind of love God. Then they get comfortable with, with all the blessing that comes from a life that aligns itself with the reality of who God is. Then they get lazy. They turn away. They give themselves to idolatry, which is basically um, putting other things in the place of God, namely yourself often, and then all the other things that prop up your ego and your illusions that you're in control. And then that leads them into a place of discord, disquiet, destruction, until they're kind of left under the tyranny of the gods they've chosen for themselves in many ways. And then there's a moment of repentance or return, which we'll talk about in just a second. And then they start aligning themselves again with God, wrapping their lives around God and his way of being in the world. And that leads them to a fruitfulness and a peace and a healthiness and a wholeness. And then they get lazy and complacent again. And the cycle continues right now if that seems to ring true for you it's because that's not only the story of Israel that's the story of humanity we do that so often and so there's this guy Daniel he is part of this nation of Israel what's happened is uh, the nation of Israel has is actually in exile now because they've been conquered by a, a nation called Babylon now what's important to know about Babylon is it's both an actual nation in the story of the Bible and in history itself, but in the biblical story, it's also a, a vehicle for an idea. It's a, it's a spirituality of empire, basically. It's a spirituality of man's ego attempt to displace God. And so Babylon, that spirit of Babylon, we can see it moving in the Persians. We can see it moving in the Egyptians. And name your empire over the years. Anything that's tried to pinnacle humanity and that has arrogantly moved against God and that has crushed down the weakest and raised up the strongest and, and has put human life as secondary to personal uh, wealth and has been violence-driven, all these kinds of things. This is empire and it's, and it's Babylon, right? And so we see here Babylon has taken in Israel into captivity. And there's this guy, Daniel, who has found favor with a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's what's interesting. Just a chapter before chapter five, in chapter four, um, we see the, the humbling of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's humbled before God, right? But then there's this beautiful kind of redemption for Nebuchadnezzar. And then just the next chapter, we, we meet his son who has forgotten about that humbling and is now arrogantly in opposition to God. Right, And so what he does is he's having this huge party with all his concubines and lords and all the leaders of this empire system. And then he says, go get the, the silver and gold um, vessels from the, when we ransacked the temple in Jerusalem. Bring those things here. And then they use those things, the things that they stole from the place of God, took from the place of God. They use those things to worship other gods. And in the middle of this big party, there's this human hand that kind of appears like a, like a vision in a sense, although it's like a kind of physical manifestation. The Bible's wild, by the way. 
and this hand starts writing on the wall and um, this king starts panicking. It literally says that he changes color and he's like freaking out as you would because I'm not sure when the last time you experienced a giant hand just pitching up in your living room and starting to engrave things on the wall of your house, right? So that's what's happening to this king. And so he's freaking out and he says, okay, I need to figure out what this writing on the wall means. And he sends his sorcerers and he sends for all, all the spiritual dudes and none, nobody can kind of interpret it. Then there's this queen who comes and says, hey, there's this guy, Daniel, and your father trusted him and maybe you should trust him. So he calls Daniel in and he says to Daniel, hey, listen, if you can interpret this, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you power in this empire. And I love how Daniel responds. He says this in verse 17. He says, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. If you go read the, the story of Daniel, what you'll find is, although he's in the system, he's never of the system. He never lets the system own him. So he's present in Babylon, but he's very much in exile in Babylon. Right, So he's a man set apart in his heart. And we see that right from the beginning all the way through to the end of his story. This is, what, this is what kind of marks the person of Daniel is that although he's in this other land that's operating by other systems, he himself has set himself apart unto God. And so he interprets uh, this writing that's on the wall. Uh, and here's what it says. It says, uh, verse 25, and this is the writing that was inscribed, mene, mene, tekel, and parson. <laughs> That's just random, but here we go. And this is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians, right? So God has numbered your days. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and you'll be conquered. And here's what's crazy is at the end of this chapter, literally what Daniel talks about happens. Uh, this king dies, a mead takes over the authority of that. And then we move into, if you're familiar with the Bible story, Daniel in the lion's den, where he essentially gets persecuted for his faith, but God rescues him. And it's an amazing story. But then later on, we see that the, the whole idea of the Persians coming over and taking over the Babylonians also comes to pass. Now, you're asking me, Matt, that's fascinating. What does the story have to do with anything we're talking about? Who is the Babylon of our time? Or, or more importantly, what is the Babylon of our time? And, and not only what is the Babylon of our time around us, but what is the Babylon of our time within us? How have we aligned ourselves with the systems of the world? What are those systems that put themselves arrogantly in opposition to God? What are the systems, people, ideas? Because the, the idols of our time aren't necessarily, particularly in a Western context, they're not necessarily little statues in the corner of your room. They're ideologies, ways of thinking that have built up authority in your mind. So, so what are our systems and ideas that we give authority to, that we're under, that are arrogantly in opposition to the God of the universe? What are those things? What are those things around you? What are those things within you? What are those things that are saying, hey, bring the gold and silver chalices from the temple. And then we're going to defiantly use those things in worship of other gods in the presence of God, arrogantly assuming that there'll be no recourse for our actions. Mm. What, what are those things? 
I want to suggest to you that the writing, friends, is on the wall. That part of what we've been seeing in, the, in this past year and a half to two years is the failure of our idolatrous ideologies to sustain the weight of human need. Right? There is, we, we have, as a, as a secular, in, in terms of the, particularly in the Western world and, and throughout the world in, in a lot of ways, we have set up systems and ideas over time that have arrogantly positioned ourselves over God in authority. As Mark says, it says that we have, we've placed, we've tried to seek the kingdom without the king. And we've arrogantly assumed that we can create peace, that we can create order, that we can get all the benefits of our intellect and we can, and God can be dead in the words of Nietzsche, right? And I want to say to you that what's happened in the chaos and the shaking of this time is that the systems of this world have been placed on the balances and they've been found wanting. Now, in the midst of this moment, Right? There is an invitation. Again, Mark says, says this. He says, we find ourselves uh, between t- two idols, the gap between idols. Right, And so what's happened is the first of our idols has been shaken and has been found wanting. And a lot of the anxiety you're feeling now is because a lot of people place their hope on these false ideas of God, false ideas of themselves, false ideas of what the good life is, false ideas of how we get there. So, so there's been whole worldviews that have now been shaken. If you thought that your money was your security, well, well what happens when the whole monetary system is challenged? You know, if you thought your health was your security, well, what happens when there's a virus that you can't control? If you thought that your neighborhood, your neighborhood, your postal code was your security, well, what happens when there's a civil unrest that bleeds into the places where we've tried to insulate ourselves from the pain and the hurt of others, right? So, so whatever you placed your security in, there's been a shaking. These things have been placed on the scales. They've been found wanting. And now we're finding ourselves a little bit of adrift and we're not sure what to anchor ourselves to. Now the temptation is in just a little while, there's going to come along another ideology that's going to try and prop itself up against God again. Just in the same way that uh, you know Nebuchadnezzar was humbled before God and had a humility because his there was a shaking for him, right? And God humbled him, chapter 4, and he comes to a recognition of who God is. And then there's a tiny little gap. And then chapter five, and there's a new idol that comes along, Belshazzar, right? And, and so um, that, that's kind of where we are, guys. We're in the gap between the idols. And there's an invitation to you and to me to do what Jesus says, which is to repent. Because in the gap, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? The kingdom of God is here and is now. And this is particularly true for followers of Jesus, God, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've, if you've considered yourself a Christian uh, for a while, if you've been following Jesus in your faith, here's what I want to say to you. You have a moment right now to really uh, do an introspection, to really take stock of your faith and to ask yourself, wh- where have you gravitated toward uh, the things of Babylon? Right? Where have you attached your confidence, your hope? As Jesus would say, where have you built your house upon the sand? Because the storm has come, and friends, it is still coming. And, and there's no guarantee that the rains are going to ease up anytime soon. And, and, and that's not only true for our time, that's just true for life. <laughs> Jesus tells us, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, He has overcome the world. And so there's an invitation from God 
this moment, in this moment, if you're a follower of Jesus, to take stock of your faith and return, return through a thing called just good old-fashioned repentance, return to the heart of Jesus, consecrate yourself again unto God, do a Daniel uh, in this situation, right? And and if if you're not familiar with the story of Daniel, I just encourage you to go read it. Just do a Daniel, right? I'm not going to eat the way they eat. I'm not going to do the things they do. I'm not, I'm not willing. I can't be bought with the rewards of the system. I'll serve God and his purposes, but I'm not selling myself to the highest bidder for the sake of comfort or even safety. And when uh, later on in chapter six, when Darius comes along and tells me I can't worship God or there'll be consequences, well, I'm more given to God than I am to my own comfort or even my own life, the epistles tell us, right? And so if, if, worshiping God and if giving my heart to him means I find myself in a den full of lions, well then so be it, right? So there is this, there's this moment, I think, this opportunity for the church where we, where we detach from the, from the ways that we become complicit in the system that is now shaking, being placed on the scales and found wanting, and we start to consecrate ourselves unto God. We, we do a thing that the Bible tells us to do, is which we, we pursue holiness, Right, and when people hear that word holiness, often they think like, uh, "Oh man, this is heavy and serious and sober." And no, that's not the point. The point is the word, this word holiness means to be set apart. It means is your life set apart for the things of God? Do, are you are you ordering yourself a, a right ordered world? Are you aligning yourself with truth and reality as it is by wrapping your life around the person of Jesus? And guys, it's, this is not a cheap belief system. This is not just like, man, I prayed a prayer and now I'm going to heaven one day when I die. That's, man, we've got to move away from that. And I'm sure if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you will hear me saying that again and again and again. Man, we've got to, we've got to move to whole life discipleship. What does Jesus think about sexuality? What does Jesus think about money? How should you use your time according to Jesus? Uh, What does Jesus think about the least of these and the broken and the hurting and the lost and the sad and the weeping and the crying? What What does Jesus think about those on the margins? How does Jesus encourage us to give our lives away? Is life really about self preservation and moving your way to the top? Or is it about self denial and dying like a seed in the earth so that you can produce much fruit? Who is your actual rabbi? Who's your, who's your teacher? And are you wrapping your life around his life, right? That's the invitation of this moment. Because guys, the systems of this world, the ways of being that we thought were working for us, all our arrogance and all our confidence, all our hubris, man has been put on the scales and it has been found wanting. But there is a rock. And if you'll build your house on him, then even when the storms come, you'll stay standing. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, then the invitation for you is to interrogate the strength uh, of whatever God you have been worshiping. Now, you might say, man, I don't worship a God. And uh, again, I've spoken about this before. That's just not true with respect. We, we, all, we cannot, uh, human beings are meaning machines, right? You, you must have meaning. You must have purpose. You have placed ultimate value and importance on something. Just go interrogate your life. Is it wealth? Is it accomplishments? Is it your career? Is it your physical appearance? Uh, Look at your Instagram account. What are you following? What is the algorithm speaking back to you in terms of your interests, your passions, and your desires, right? Like what's on that feed? Uh, Where have you placed your confidence, your sense of meaning, sense of meaning? And in this shaking as those things have failed, where will you now go? 
right? Can I persuade you? Can I encourage you? Uh, I think there's a man <laughs> who, who knows everything about you. I think there's a guy who knows what it means to be human, who if you'll trust him, if you'll follow him, he can build in you the substance of such humanity that even if the whole world moves into chaos, you'll find yourself standing on a rock. I think that's what's available to you. And uh, if that's something you'd be interested in, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Please get a hold of me. So that's the invitation, guys. And that's where we start this series. To move forward, I think, uh, well, how do we do that? So you're saying to me, Matt, I hear you. You're right, man. The, 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 these worldviews, these ideas, our systems, they've been placed on the scales and found wanting. How do we move forward from here? I would say this is a journey of the heart. And so what we're going to do is we're going to use Psalm 27 verse 4 as a template for a journey going forward over the next couple of weeks. Uh, just quickly, that psalm, it says, uh, One thing have I desired, and, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing upon his beauty and inquiring in his temple. And week by week, I think there's stuff there that we can really pull out. Next week, particularly, we're going to look at uh, one thing, spirituality. We're going to talk about the desire engine of your life and how very long, for, for a very long time we've been kind of majoring on do you have the right intellectual ideas? And that's part of it. It's not that that doesn't matter. But we've, we've often failed to realize that that stuff's got to filter down to the layer of desire. So a lot of people believe in Jesus, but a lot of people don't actually desire him. And that's part of the issue is that we've got these divided hearts, you know, where we say we believe one thing, we still desire another. Uh, but that's a conversation for next week. All that to say, we're going to go on a journey together, a journey of the heart, where I believe we can position ourselves. We, kinda, we can become a, a Daniel kind of personality in this world, where we recognize this world is not our home. We are in exile, and the idols are coming again. The systems will rebuild, right? There's going to be new voices that start to raise themselves and say, we can build a kingdom without the king. There will be new voices that start to shout from the rooftops, God is dead. We don't need him. There's going to be new voices of ego and ambition. And before those things get super loud in our ears, as Christian people, as followers of Jesus, or just as humans seeking ultimate meaning, we need to decide Will we get caught up in, in the current of the masses? Or will we take this moment, this, this gap between idols, this crisis, and not waste it? And will we allow it to, to recalibrate our hearts in a new direction so that from the inside out, a new reality is born? That's the invitation going forward. And I hope that you will come with me on that journey. Uh, a couple of things I just want to raise with you. If you're listening to this podcast uh, Although we've been around for a while, we really uh, are hoping to grow our connection with people all over the world. So what would really help with that is if you left a review of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And if you uh, followed and liked and shared it with other people, that helps us get the message out there. And of course, we wouldn't be spending our time uh, producing these things if we didn't believe in the message that we're sharing. And then the second thing, and here's what I really want to point out to you, we're going to start having a segment on every podcast where we take your questions. Uh, so if you're listening to this, that's you. Because here's what I found is like I realized all these people were listening to the podcast, but I don't know most of you. And I'd love to get to know you. So we're going to take your questions. So we're setting up an email. Uh, you can go to the website, uh, mattlewis.co.za, and you'll see a link there 
where you can uh, email us and uh, any questions that you have about following Jesus, following Jesus to the depths of his heart, intimacy, and following Jesus to the ends of the earth mission and, and what that looks like in your life. And so any questions you have, and then whether it's just me sharing some of my, my reflections or uh, whether it's guests on that we'll have in coming weeks, uh, we'll take a time at the end of each episode and we'll just answer one or two of those questions and we'll just engage with you as a community. So those are things you can start to look at right now. You'll find a link for that uh, on the Instagram and social media spaces, or you can just go straight to the website. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's been so good being back. I hope this is helpful with you. I'm just kind of sharing from my heart over the next four weeks or so. So it's not like very tight or even scripted. It's just kind of the overflow of some of the stuff God's been doing in me. And uh, I hope that some of these thoughts are helping you. Do get hold of us if you want to chat. You can do that at mattlurst.co.za. Please send us your questions. I'd love to have some questions for next week. And uh, I'll chat to you next week as we look at the first of our sort of journey of the heart so that we can take advantage of this moment, this space between idols and uh, move uh, in repentance and return toward the heart of Jesus as we talk about a one thing spirituality and the engine of desire.